My name is Kaki McDonald, and I am in seventh grade at the Lovett School. Please stand for the reading from the New Testament, the word of the Lord from Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only few find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Good morning, Northside. My name is Tucker Mansfield, and I'm currently a senior at Whitfield Academy. My parents began attending Northside many years before I was born, and Northside has been my home church my entire life. Over the past few weeks, Dr. Birch has been talking about how one choice can bring about a huge change in someone's or even many people's lives. For me, that U-turn moment took place over 15 years ago in this church. When I was four months old, my parents took me to the nursery for the first time. The experience was so impactful for me that I cried, and cried, and cried, and cried. At the time, the church had a policy that if a child cried for more than 10 minutes, the nursery caregivers would page the parents to come and get the child. Every Sunday, my parents brought me to the church nursery, and every Sunday, I screamed and cried to the point that the nursery caregivers had to page my parents to come and get me. Yet week after week and month after month, my parents kept trying and trying. At one point, my mom even sat in the room with me in hopes of helping me to adjust, but nothing seemed to help. However, that all changed one summer when my mom volunteered to help with VBS. By this point in time, I was two and a half years old. On the first day of VBS, my mom dropped me off in Miss Denise's class, where I spent another day crying. Miss Denise kept me with her the whole day so that my mom could volunteer her entire shift. But what happened next would not only change my life, but my family's life forever. On our way to the car, my ear caught a hold of the VBS band. Immediately, I requested that we go and listen to it. My mom and I watched the band's performance for the day, and I was absolutely fascinated by it. I did not want to leave, and on seeing this, my mom made a deal with me for the next day. If I didn't cry and pitch a fit in Miss Denise's class, I could go and listen to the band at the end of the day. Let's just say that deal worked for me, and that was the end of my crying. The VBS music soon became my jam. Every time we got in the car or just around the house, I would play the same VBS songs and CDs over and over again. While some kids loved to play Hot Wheels or Thomas the Train, my favorite thing to do was play VBS band. Each day, I would set up my toy instruments and jam away to the VBS CDs. This passion remained with me throughout my preschool and early elementary years. Not only did the music positively impact my life, but as my mom often tells me, the praise music impacted the lives of those around me as well. Biblical truths, words of praise, and wisdom for living a Christian life filled my family's hearts and minds throughout each day. We heard reminders like, we trust, we trust, we trust in you, Jesus. You're all, you're all, you're all that we need. As my mom tells me to this day, the messages of these songs have greatly impacted her faith, as well as the faith of my sisters. When I was a baby, my mom prayed for God to show her how to make faith an everyday, all-day part of our family's lives. She stands amazed at how I, as a little child, helped to lead our family along the way. Over the last four weeks, the sermon series has talked about the life-changing decisions of start, stop, 
stay, and go. As you can see, when I first went to the nursery at this church, I got off to a rough start. However, thanks to the patience of the nursery workers who kept working with me week after week, and my parents who continued to bring me to the church, I was able to learn to stay. Ultimately, with the help of many patient adults, I was able to stop the bad habit of crying and pitching a fit and go on to make what I now know to be a huge impact on the life of my family. As some of you may recall, my sister Jenny Grant was born with a common birth defect called VSD, or ventricular septal defect, which is essentially a tiny hole in the heart. One out of every 100 children have this birth defect. Typically, a child born with this defect either fails to thrive or the hole closes up on its own within a few months. My sister thrived, but the hole did not close on its own. So around her third birthday, the doctor said that she would need to have open heart surgery to repair the hole. Well, the doctors told my mom and dad that she would easily recover from the surgery. It was still a very scary time for my family. My parents learned that my sister would need both blood and platelet donations during the surgery. Originally, my parents made these donations, but the surgery was rescheduled at the last minute, and new blood and platelet donations were needed for the next surgery date. My uncle and grandfather agreed to help. When my grandfather went to give platelets, the Red Cross nurse told him that they were always in desperate need of platelets. Upon hearing the great need for platelets, my grandfather felt God calling him to serve in this area. As my grandfather often tells me, giving platelets is an uncomfortable and time-consuming activity. First, the donor must lay very still for approximately two to three hours with tubes going in either arm. Second, the tubes often leave bruises and sore places. And third, if the, doctor, I mean, if the donor needs to go to the bathroom before completing the two to three hour collection time, the entire donation is lost. Despite these discomforts, my grandfather answered the call and recently gave his 125th platelet donation. His platelet donations have helped to save over 250 lives. I am truly thankful for all the people in my family and this church who have helped me to go in my faith over the years. Parents, grandparents, nursery workers, ministers, VBS and MAP volunteers, Sunday school teachers, choir and handbell directors, and of course, the band. Each time Dr. Birch baptizes a baby, he talks about the role of the church congregation in helping the baby to grow in his or her faith. I'm here to tell all of you today the impact of this church community has had on me, has blessed me in more ways than I could have ever imagined. So if you take anything from what I said today, I want to leave you with this. In both of my stories, God used something hard or challenging that my family and I faced and turned it into something beautiful. The one screaming child turned into a house filled with Christian music and my grandfather's donation to my sister for heart surgery turned into a lasting call to serve others by giving and donating platelets. I encourage you as you leave here today that when you face challenges in your life, that you stop and pray and ask God to turn it into something good for his glory. Thank you. Nice work. Great. 
Hello, everyone. My name is Dorothy Werner, and I'm currently a senior at Westminster, and I'm headed to Auburn University in the fall, so War Eagle, and sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They've been very supportive of the entire thing. <laughs> but today, I want to tell you all a story about the day I decided to make a U-turn in my faith and how that day completely transformed my life. And maybe while I'm talking, you might think of a similar moment in yours. So in June of last summer, I went out to California to a place called JH Ranch with my dad. And about halfway through our time at the ranch, we were led on a hike up to a white cross at the top of a mountain. And at the very beginning of the hike, the trip leader asked us to pick up something that represented a burden we carry through life. And I picked up this small rock that represented this burden of mine that was living for the world instead of living for Christ living for approval and affirmation from people and sports and social media and school instead of living for the Lord, constantly seeking fulfillment from worldly things and constantly being exhausted because of it. See, I knew, I knew that true satisfaction and true fulfillment came from the Lord and the Lord alone, yet I was looking to the world to find it. I was in the middle of this game of tug-of-war with my faith on one end and the world on the other, and at this point, the world was winning. It was really easy to recognize this burden I was carrying because of how exhausted I was. See, when I didn't achieve these worldly accomplishments, I was disappointed and I felt guilt and shame. Yet when I did achieve these worldly things I desired, the satisfaction I gained was only temporary and it was never enough to satisfy me. And while this burden was easy for me to recognize, it was extremely hard for me to admit to it. But when we got to the top of the mountain, we sat on this wooden platform that overlooked one of the most beautiful mountain ranges I've ever seen. But the magnitude of the white cross standing on that platform dwarfed even the most majestic of mountain ranges, and this put a lot of things into perspective for me on that day. I walked down to the foot of the cross, and I laid down this burden of living for the world instead of living for the Lord. I prayed, and I trembled, and I cried. And right there, I decided I was going to make a U-turn in my faith. I surrendered my worldly desires to the Lord, and I began walking a new road. I began walking the narrow road. In Matthew chapter 7, we learn what Jesus has to say about this narrow road. His invitation is framed with a short parable, and the parable describes two gates, the wide gate and the small gate. It describes two ways, the broad way and the narrow way. It describes two destinations destruction, and life. And it describes two groups of people, the many and the few. Chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, tell us to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here, Jesus urges his disciples to seek life by entering through the narrow gate that runs counter to the way of the world. The way of the world is commonly traveled, but its end is destruction and ruin. However, the narrow path is set apart from the world, and its end is life abundant. I'm blessed to have grown up in Northside Church, where much of my faith formation and that of my friends first took root. At Northside, we're surrounded by so many strong Christians who have learned over a lifetime how to choose the narrow road. But no matter where we are in our faith journeys, there's always an opportunity to get closer to the Lord. So I want to break these verses down and share with you some wisdom that's been shared with me as I embarked on my journey of walking the narrow road. 
So first, I want to encourage you to stop looking horizontally for contentment that will only ever be found vertically. Something they told us at the ranch that provided me a lot of encouragement in this is that God's creation is intended for your delight, but never to satisfy your desire. Rest is found not in figuring our lives out, but in trusting in the one who has it all figured out for our good and his glory. When we surrender these worldly desires, we find rest and contentment and peace and joy. We are led away from a life of guilt and shame and condemnation and onto a path leading us to life abundant. Second, I want to encourage you to dive into the word. We hear so often that the word is the way and the truth and the life. But transformation comes when you proclaim in your heart that it is the way and the truth and the life. The word has power and it brings transformation and life and it is a gift to have it at our fingertips. And we cannot let this be lost on us. So cling to the word and let it be the foundation of your life. Third, I want to encourage you that while the road is narrow, know that you're not alone. One of the names of our God is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He is walking behind us and beside us and before us, shining a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Another one of the names of our God that I learned more recently is El Roy, and this means that he's the God who sees. It comes from the story of Hagar, when an injustice was done against her and she was sent away from people, she was cast out by herself. God sent an angel to find her and he saw her during a time of distress and uncertainty and hardship. So our Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our deliverer and our fortress is also the God who sees. He's our father in heaven, but he sees us in our brokenness. He has compassion for us and he cares about us. The one who has control over everything also hears our prayers and sees us as his children and pursues us. The journey might be lonely, but know that we are never alone. Fourth, I want to encourage you to surround yourself with a godly community. I feel like I've heard the phrase, show me your friends and I'll show you your future a thousand times in my life, but there really is a lot of truth in it. Surround yourself with people who sharpen you, who encourage you, and who lead you on the narrow path. Grow together with those around you and watch your community become set apart from the world. Fifth, I want to encourage you to pray. Because while on that day at JH Ranch, I made the decision to make a U-turn. That's not to say that every day following that one has been perfect. I made the choice to make a U-turn, but I have to continue to make that choice every single day. Each day I pray for the courage to walk the narrow road, for the discipline to walk the narrow road, and for the encouragement to walk the narrow road. It is a daily battle. And every day I must proclaim in my heart which kingdom I'm going to seek. Will I seek the kingdom of the world or the Messiah's kingdom? And while I was researching for this sermon, I found a quote that I'd like to share. And it says, the Messiah's kingdom is found by taking the narrow way that is access to the gate that is small. This is not the automatic or the easy choice. The parable makes it clear that this way will not appear attractive on the surface. The Messiah's kingdom is not of this world, so it is not physically visible. It requires eyes of faith to recognize it, to see its tiny gate. It takes faith to enter it. The wide gate is more appealing to the eye and has far more travelers. But the tiny gate must be deliberately sought after and chosen if we are to find and enter it. So I encourage you to pray. Pray for the discipline and the courage and the faith and the eyes to see and the courage to walk the way that is narrow. And sixth and finally, I want to encourage you to be still and know. Be still and know that he is God. We live in a world filled with loud voices and filled with distractions, but cling to what is true. 
seek moments of stillness amidst a busy schedule, because these moments of stillness center our gaze back on Jesus and remind us of what is true. So let us pray. God, I ask for encouragement and discipline and faith to walk the narrow road. I encourage all of us to stop looking horizontally for contentment that will only ever be found vertically. I encourage us to dive into the word and know that while the road is narrow, we are not alone. I encourage us to surround ourselves with a godly community such as what we have right here at Northside. And I encourage us to pray and to be still and know. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen.